Thanks for joining us at the Business Growth Cafe, where each week we select from a menu of topics for a focused discussion with an industry expert to provide insights that can impact your business's growth with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Hi, I'm Angelo Ponzi, your host here at the Business Growth Cafe, and thank you for joining me. It's approximately four weeks since we've been sequestered because of the coronavirus. That's four weeks that you've been at home, experiencing work, family consistently, your kids, your pets running around, and we're all managing to survive. Yes, it's different. Yes, it's hard. Yes, there's a lot of pressure on all of us to continue to produce, provide, and stay sane while we're doing it. Yet everybody I seem to talk to has been managing to work through it. Yes, a lot of us are having uh, struggles continuing to service our clients, to find new clients, to keep them interested in really continuing to push forward. You know, as a marketing guy, I talk to my clients about that the worst thing we can do right now is to stop. Stop marketing. Stop doing the things we were doing prior to this. Why? Because this will end. We will come out the other side. And if you've been sitting on the sidelines and your competitors have not, then at the end of the day, they're going to come out of this in a much better situation than you are. Now, I'm not telling you to go out and invest millions of dollars in, in marketing. I'm just saying we need to be more strategic. We need to find an operational balance, right, between what's going on operationally and about investing in marketing and R&D, even potentially acquisitions. Right? There's a lot of opportunities out there, not only for businesses, but also for key talent that has now been let go. So to sit on the sidelines, do nothing is a huge mistake. Now, I got curious to see how people that I know and from different industries are out there in the marketplace and how they are handling it. What are they doing to not only thrive today and survive, but also how they're preparing to grow when this thing turns around within their specific industries. So I cast a net to find some folks from a wide variety of industries that I want to hear from. Now, you know, uh, it, it wasn't hard to find folks that wanted to talk because we all want to talk to somebody because of either we've been on Zoom meetings with 42. I think I had a 52 uh, the other day and, you know, I was narrowed down to a one by one box on my screen. And, um, you know, unfortunately, it's kind of hard to see who all the people are. So it, it becomes very difficult. We are needy, if you will, to have this human interaction. So, again, it wasn't hard to call up some folks and have them hop on the phone to talk to me. So I've asked the same questions of all, all of them and really about based on their experiences of what's going on with them and then the, with their clients and their business, you know, what decisions are they making? Also, what decisions are their clients making to help you, my listeners, move forward to make sure that you come out the other end uh, of this economy of this situation much stronger. And then also, what are they doing to stay sane? What kind of activities are going on? What's inspiring them? What's keeping them active, motivated? Uh, you know, you can only watch so much Netflix, as I'm told, in any given situation. And I'm sure we're getting a little burned out. I know a lot of the conversations and, and some of these meetings I've been in about, what are you watching now on Netflix? What's the next show to binge watch? 
unfortunately, you know, after four weeks, you can get through a lot of shows, a lot of hours of television if you're staying up and not feeling compelled to get up and get out the door in the morning like we used to. Now, I did a podcast a few weeks ago called uh, Tips for Working at Home. And the blog I wrote from that was Tips from Working at Home from a Sweatpants Pro. Yes, I, I was actually wearing sweatpants when I did that recording. And but I've also worked at home for the last five years. So it wasn't new to me to to have a home office. What's new to me is that I always would leave this home office and go out and network with meet with people. And again, we can't. So I do encourage you if you're if you're not on Zoom meetings, you're not doing one on ones. You you have to have human interaction. Again, we can't hug. We can't touch. However, you can have human interaction, and I encourage you to do that. So hopefully you'll you'll stay with me through this podcast and listen to my guests because they have some great insight to what's going on in their particular industries. But they do cross over because things that are happening in, in one industry is also applicable in the next. Now, in this specific podcast, I'm calling it part one, I'm going to talk to three of the six guests that I interviewed. So we have three in this one. And then in part two, which will hopefully you'll jump right into when this is over, we'll have three more. All six are from very different industries. So business to business, consumer side. So you're going to get some great perspectives from these different folks. So I encourage you to listen in. So my guests that you're going to hear from are Richard Montalano. And he's in the supply chain business and inventory management not just here in the United States, but globally. Now think about the issues he had before this thing even started with the tariffs. So he was already in a situation trying to deal with importing goods, importing raw goods, exporting, making sure that folks had the materials they needed to fulfill their obligations to their customers. We'll also be talking to Dean Saul, co-founder of TrueCore. They're in the insulated metal panel business, right? Their target market is, is contractors or architects and designers and builders that specify these kinds of product and building refrigerated solutions. Chris Kramer uh, is in the business of acquisitions, buying and selling companies, but he's also a specialist in ESOPs, which are employee stock ownership plans. And finally, I'll sum it up with Josh Walters. And Josh is in the optimizing talent business, right? He's got a line with it that I love. It's building a better world through better work. And he really looks at using not only uh, he uses data analytics to help with some of this, but really it's about maximizing and optimizing the individuals that you do hire. So I hope you stay with me during this podcast. I think it's really educational and it's perfect for what's going on out there right now. And away we go. I'm excited to have Richard Montalano. He is a consultant in the supply chain world. He works for Main Point and Richard, welcome to the show. Thank you. Thank you. Nice to have, nice to have be a guest on here with you, Angelo. Appreciate yeah, absolutely. The yeah. So, as I think I I talked to you in the in kind of the pre-show is what I'm doing is I'm I'm talking to a variety of folks in a variety of industries to talk about the impact that the coronavirus and and potentially a recession might be coming and looming on us. Not only what's happening today, but what's going to happen tomorrow. But before we jump into that, why don't you tell my listeners a little bit about yourself and about your business? Sure. Thank you. Uh, thanks for the opportunity. Uh, well, I've been in supply chain for over a couple decades now, uh, longer than I probably care to admit. 
started out in the aerospace world and really enjoyed that. Uh, it was really fascinating, but spent a lot of time uh, in all levels of, of the supply chain from lower levels uh, to actual execution, running operations in manufacturing and distribution. So I uh, really have a passion for that. I really understand that intimately and really um, look to help companies optimize their supply chains. I think it's really a big part of the U.S. economy. And I think given the current dynamics of the COVID-19 issues we're all experiencing, I think that's going to play a, a big role in this economy coming back. Yeah, I would agree. And, and so I, I assume that with your clients, some of the uh, either the finished goods or, or raw goods were coming out of China and, and other places, which obviously is not happening. So that's probably in general with, frankly, the tariffs prior to all of this. I mean, supply chains really have kind of been disrupted a little bit on where people are getting their goods to manufacture or whether they're manufacturing here and where they're getting those raw materials, right? That's absolutely true. Uh, starting in 2019 with the tariffs that really created a tremendous impact in the supply chain world, um, that was kind of a warning shot to U.S. companies to really look at potentially bringing some of those manufacturing operations back here or somewhere close to North America. Um, as things went on, uh, nobody expected uh, the COVID-19 epidemic that we're all living today, uh, but that made things even 10 times worse. So it's, it's really a tremendous dynamic across all industries that use the supply chain throughout Asia. And you can tell uh, the, the deep ramifications it has from the medical community that we're seeing uh, Ventilators and masks that were once produced from China are really being a, a, a real difficult thing to supply, which is costing, unfortunately, people's lives here. So that, that's unfortunate. But companies are going to have to find a way to react and, and really turn that around quickly. Is there really an industry that hasn't been impacted by, by all of this, including the tariffs? That's a good question. Um, there probably are some of the high-level defense areas that are um, have secret classifications, do not allow some of their um, supply chain, like some of the major components, to be uh, manufactured outside. But most of the industries we all know and love have some kind of a component or raw material that is being fabricated or developed overseas. Okay. So... So this is an this is an off the wall question. It's not even on my list, but it just popped into my head. So when we think about supply chain when it comes to food, right? And we're in we're in Southern California, and certainly harvest season will be coming around. And yet, I think food is deemed essential. So do we anticipate there's going to be some kind of slowdown or impact in supply chain because we can't get people into the fields? Yeah, that could, that's a very good question and, and a very real possibility. I was speaking last week to a colleague of mine who was a CFO for a uh, farm farming company that develops produce. And his business, he was telling me very directly that on the consumer side, which is the grocery that you and I all shop for our food at, was really booming and things were going very well. However, on the other side, there was a food service component that really dropped off the off the map, really fell off a cliff. Mm -hmm. That is things like hotels and restaurants that really dropped off. To, to make things even more complicated with the COVID-19 epidemic 
and us shutting down many of the borders, uh, not only here, but all across the world. A lot of the workers who's worked in those fields are going to be having a difficult time to get to those farms to pick some of the, the crops. Uh, and it really, the supply chain can be very complex. And not only do you need the workers, but then you need to have all the equipment from the truckers into the warehousing ready to go. So there's a lot of steps in the supply chain that make it very complex. And one hiccup along the way can really hold up the whole thing. Just like the old saying is, you're only as strong as your weakest link. Right. Well, that holds true in the supply chain. Absolutely. So in your business, and I, and I know I'm, I'm deviating because I think this is a great conversation. And we're going to have to do this as a full show. But, I mean, you get involved in everything from raw goods to make the products and, and all the way through manufacturing and shipping and distribution and to retail. Yes. And that's one of the things that it's really important for companies, whether they're small, medium or large. For the ownership and the C-level executives to really understand how to truly optimize the supply chain, you've got to look at it from end to end. Um, you've got to look at it at the beginning and you know, what does that forecast look? Because once somebody puts a forecast together, the supply chain is really gives them instructions on how to go source that, where to find the capacity. Likewise, you've got to set the financial impacts in place. You've got to set up contracts. You've got to set up a logistics network. You've got to set the warehousing. You've got to, it's the whole make, buy, fulfill movement process from start to finish in the supply chain that impacts the entire industry, entire company, end to end. Okay. And you get involved in, in all of that? Yes. Yes, absolutely. And a lot of that's driven, through, driven by data analytics, uh, truly, truly understanding, taking a deep dive into a customer's business uh, to really understand where exactly are some of the patterns, the trends, things that we see. Because a lot of times companies don't use the analytics uh, very well. In some cases, in some of the smaller companies, they just don't have the technology and the systems available. In larger companies, you've got multiple systems uh, creating a lot of information, but none of it's really cohesive to really uh, drive decision-making process sure. effectively. So right. uh, I, I was working at one client uh, about a year ago and they had about 20 plus different systems and none of them talked to each other. So trying to get people to make long-term cohesive decisions across the organization was extremely difficult to impossible. So in that case, a lot of these departments for, it was a large, larger company were being done in isolation. And that's just a shame. And that's part of the things that we talk about when we try and optimize the supply chain is understand how do we all use and share that same data from end to end to really drive decision-making. Well, my, part of my background is market research. So I am a little bit of a data geek and, and gathering and utilizing the information are always two different things. Exactly. Uh, I've literally been in meetings where we've spent weeks gathering research only to have somebody at the table say, eh, I don't believe it, or I don't believe what they said and, and toss it all out the door. And, and they've made some huge mistakes by not listening. And that's a, that's another show. So <laughs> so based on your experiences now, and I think we're into this about four weeks, yours actually extends, again, with the tariff thing. I, I didn't think about that in preparing this, but it just came to mind. So what recommendations would you make to business leaders like yourself to keep them moving forward during this time and whether it's a week or two weeks or another month or two months, but also to begin to prepare for when the economy turns and so they can recover quickly. That's a good question. And, and one of the things is we know cash is kind of king right now in these, these difficult times where most companies are, are seeing revenues drop significantly. Um, 
optimizing the supply chain is something that can be integral to having a company survive this and thrive in these types of environments. The competitive um, nature of business in the U.S. is everybody's got to find a way to, to, to be a little bit better than the competition in order to gain market share. Most companies, unfortunately, do not use the supply chain as a competitive advantage. And because of that, suffer. So in these times like this, when things get a little rough and you put some stress onto your supply chain, those companies that are the strongest, that have the most agile and strongest supply chains are going to come out of this as winners. You think of people like uh, Walmart and, and Amazon who have truly best-in-class supply chains. They are making a difference out there in the world today. Those companies that are struggling to survive, people who have uh, people like Macy's or uh, who are struggling and have had to shut down their business simply didn't have the supply chains uh, behind them to mm -hmm. they have the agility to, to move the marketplace. Sure. So it's really key for ownership to understand that. And uh, it's been part of my message that I've tried to tell them and, and communicate them and educate them that, hey, this is this is really the way it goes. It's not just you and your four, four walls. Uh, out there in the marketplace, it's you and the entire supply chain that can provide a competitive advantage um, if you really know what to look for and how to utilize that. Is is the place to start really what's the internal data that they have? Yes, it really starts with a complete analysis at the beginning and understanding, getting the cooperation. And really, you got to get the buy-in from the top down. Uh, one of the things I find is uh, – I really mirror and align well with the ownership, whereas others in the in internal organization don't always tend to embrace it as much uh, because to them, they've got a job and they're going to get paid one way or another. But at the ownership level, it's really about optimizing the supply chain to maximize the revenues for the company, maxima maximize the enterprise value. So really getting the top down to embrace the idea. And that's really what, what I found to be the most effective is when you get senior executive teams, including ownership, CEOs, CFOs, to be part of that and understand the benefits, uh, not only just when it comes to improved cost of goods, uh, but also creating competitive advantages sure. in the marketplace. And I explained to one just before in the pre-recording uh, pre here about a case I had just this morning with a client of mine who was a medical supply company that is his current provider of PPE uh, basically said, Hey, we're out of, we're out of inventory. We don't have any solutions for you. And he was, his revenue was going to be strained to begin with. And now cutting that off was going to accelerate that, that stressful and painful process. Uh, but I had some, some other connections that I was able to put a couple of my resources together to give him an outlet. And now in his particular industry, he's got some resources and availability. Uh, and one of the things I learned, one of the best abilities you can have is availability when it comes to the supply chain. Right. And that alone is a supply chain advantage uh, and a competitive advantage in the marketplace, especially right. these days. Well, that's, that's a great recommendation. I mean, I, I, I so many times people have a resource and they get comfortable with it. And, and the assumption is they'll just always be there. Yes. And what if they don't? What happens? And and that really gets down to a lot of the strategic planning aspects that that I talk about and that I do and that I try to get companies to look at their business on a holistic standpoint is if I'm successful in marketing 
I'm going to have an impact on everybody. If I'm, we're not successful, we're going to have an impact on everybody, right? Right down to the shoot. And, and a lot of times too, when you think about mergers and acquisitions, I mean, one of the things they do is let's look at your contracts with your vendors and see how solid they are. And are you a single source using single source suppliers or are you using multiple sources? And those can have a huge impact. I was in a meeting a couple of weeks ago and the, it was a technology, but they were using a piece of software from another company. And it was a single source and, and there was no way they were going to get a license to be able to go out and replicate that or, or mass market it. So they were building a product around something that they couldn't actually ultimately market. Yes. It was crazy. So let me segue into my last question then. We've now been, I'll call it sequestered for <laughs> four weeks now. So what are you doing personally to stay active and keep yourself healthy and wealthy and inspired motivated and from going crazy? <laughs> well, that's a loaded question. But fortunately, uh, I live here in, in Irvine and I've got access to a park that's very close. So I, I spend some time getting some fresh air every day, just kind of my mind. And one of the other things I do is, is try and find ways to connect with my peers. Uh, and I find that incredibly important right now. And one of the things I learned specifically from you is just really finding ways to be valuable and being a resource to others at these difficult times because in a lot of cases, they, there's no way we can work together right now. I can't go visit them right now. Uh, their offices are shut down. A lot of them are working from home right now as well. So, And, and we don't know when we're going to be able to work together right now officially. But that doesn't mean I uh, just because I'm in isolation doesn't mean I can't connect. So I've been uh, fortunate to hold and develop my own peer group called Executive Connections where I invite other peers from different industries to come together on my own platform. Uh, a couple times a week where I bring them together and introduce four guys, uh, four women, and uh, help them connect and really understand each other. Uh, people have, some, in some cases, a little more time than they're used to, a little more than they're comfortable with. Mm -hmm. So it's a great alternative to sitting down and watching Netflix at, at times. So Yeah, I, you know what? And uh, I appreciate it. You did invite me into that, and I, I did attend one yesterday. And uh, it was fantastic. Got to uh, reconnect with somebody that I knew and somebody that I didn't know at all. So I thought that was a great uh, and valuable use of my time. And I, I encourage you and others to do that connecting because, again, it's easy to get isolated. It's easy to head to the TV and binge watch uh, something. Uh, I, I have to admit I have I'm, I'm binge watching uh, Ozarks right now. Um, <laughs> I'm trying not to, but I just kind of get an hour in a day. But uh, other than that, I'm trying to stay away because it's too easy to uh, to get sidetracked. And it I is. always talk about being sidetracked. And and so to, in this time, it's it's much more difficult. I, I did a podcast a few weeks ago um, on tips and tricks of working at home. Mm -hmm. And because uh, I've, I've worked at home for a long time. And so uh, th that was a lot of fun. And that was one of my, my one of my recommendations is, you know, don't put a TV in your officers, be near one and, and don't put one a portable refrigerator in your office either. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. It's inco still important to keep a balance in your life. Fortunately, it's, uh, it's also allowed uh, to spend a little more time at home with family. So that, that's a yeah. good thing that's come out of it. So yeah, absolutely. I appreciate that. Absolutely. Well, I want to thank you for your time today. Um, I really appreciate you carving some of it out for me and my show and my listeners. So take care, and we'll be seeing you soon. Okay, thanks. Right. Thanks again. Have a great day. Bye. You too. Bye-bye.
My next guest is Dean Saul, co-founder of TrueCore, the manufacturer of insulated metal panels. Dean, welcome. Thank you. Appreciate you having me. Yeah, absolutely. To get things started, why don't we just tell the audience a little bit about yourself and your business? Okay. Um, I am a serial entrepreneur. I've, uh, I've spent most of my life in, in construction and did that about 30 years. Got a little bored and was ready for some change. And so I uh, co-founded a manufacturing company that produces insulated metal panels, which are a building skin used for mostly temperature controlled facilities. Okay. So given the state of the economy now and what's going on with the, the crisis and, and the impact on people out there working, is how has this impacted your business? It is, I would say, we are cautiously optimistic that it's going gonna, it's gonna to only hurt us a little bit. There's uh, um, being in the food business, uh, a, you know, a supplier in the food business, we're a little bit recession resistant especially in construction uh, materials compared to residential products. Mm -hmm. So right now I've had one large project be put on hold from a food service distributor. But as you probably know, uh, you know, e-commerce food uh, is exploding. Grocery, grocery, you know, distribution is, is in dire need and, and uh, of expansion. So it's going to trigger, I think more construction, believe it or not in food than was previously planned for, for, you know, let's say 20 and 21. Okay. So really almost new markets are opening up for you then. Yep. Okay. And you, and you target contractors, but I would assume you also target uh, architects and, and designers that are designing these buildings. Yes. We, we only sell direct to specialty subcontractors that know how to build freezers and coolers. But we do have stakeholders, obviously, that we serve in uh, food company and users, um, architects, uh, design build general contractors that specialize in our in our industry. So so we've got quite a few stakeholders, but but directly uh, our customers are are insulated metal panel specialty subcontractors. Okay. Now in your business, do you did you travel around the country a lot? I did. A, a, a large part of my job, uh, I was probably 50 50 uh, at home and and traveling. And I do work for my home. My my uh, head corporate headquarters is in Lawrence, South Carolina, and I'm. Uh, a little bi-coastal, but I'm pretty much uh, mostly in California. So I spent about half the time on the road and half the time working from home normally. Okay. All right. So part of this podcast this time is really talk about leaders like yourself that are now kind of having to pivot, look for new markets, and also have to deal with remote workers. So based on your experience so far during this crisis, I mean, what recommendations would you make to other business leaders like yourself? to help keep their businesses moving forward because this will end and when it ends, so they're prepared to take advantage of that. Yeah. I, I think this is, from my perspective, this has been um, a little bit of a, of a, um, a kick in the butt from a technology standpoint for, for me. I was, I was very uh, phone oriented and, and email oriented prior to this, this um, stay at home directive. And I've had to learn new video technology that, has been in existence for a long time, five or 10 years probably, mm -hmm. that I have not been using this stuff and everybody else has, or at least a lot of people have. Um, I'm not alone, in fact, of, of discovering this technology, but, but man, it's been, it's been great to, to, to be able to see people face-to-face -face that normally would have been an email or a phone call. And I think that uh, it's going to change, I think it's going to change the business world going forward in, in, a, in, in a good way. I think we're going to, um, to keep using this technology that everybody's being forced to now positively because I think uh, it adds a little bit of um, 
face-to-face genuineness uh, and, and, and a little bit of eye contact and body contact that we would not normally have over email or, or uh, talking on the phone. Okay. How many employees do you have? We have 50. 50. So are they all remote working from home right now or, or not working from home? No, there's about, uh, there's about three of us that are remote uh, in Florida, California, um, some teammates in Indiana. But mostly is uh, uh, mostly you know everybody's in the factory and we're we're working right now. We are working three days a week instead of five days a week. But that we got some big orders last week that we're probably going to ramp back up to uh, to full time. Um, but everybody else is is at the plant in in Lawrence, South Carolina, either in the manufacturing floor or in the offices. Okay, is that because you're dealing in food and it's deemed essential business? Correct. Correct. Okay. We're uh, uh, we are we you know we're relatively as busy as we were before pre-COVID. Okay. Well, that's interesting. All right. So in looking at um, any specific recommendations that in things that you've done and changed and you just talked about, are there things specifically besides technology and getting involved in technology that you're also doing? Well, I was, um, uh, I was kind of uh, asked by my, my partner. um, And by the way, we were acquired three weeks after we opened our doors in December by a large corporation, the biggest steel company in America called Nucor. So when I say my partner and my co-founder, we are now owned by a $26 billion Fortune 100 company. Uh, but we still run the company like we're, we're, we're small fries and, and, and uh, we wouldn't have it any, any other way. But, uh, but we were acquired in December. So with that said, uh, my, uh, my, thank you. Uh, um, my partner, Connor, called me about a week ago and said, hey, I think the troops could could use a little you know a little motivation and and they haven't seen your face in a few months so so maybe you know whip up a video and and give them words of encouragement so um, I think leadership is is becoming you know more important or 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 uh, or, uh, or people are are looking to leadership more than they they were before because it's a you know it's a stressful and a time and 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 everybody's worried about what the future is going to look like and so I think uh, I think leadership. Uh, uh, and the challenge of doing it from 3,000 miles away is 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 become important and and something that uh, that I started last week. Okay, it's interesting you mentioned leadership. I actually published a, a podcast today about connections and leadership uh, by a woman named uh, Kimberly Lane who who wrote a book about leadership and connections. And it's pretty timely that uh, we ended up having her on the show. And it is about people are looking to that leadership. And if you're not exhibiting that leadership now you know when we come out of this thing it is for leaders it's how's it going to impact how their employees look at them later on right absolutely so the the last question i have is is we're all home we're in many walls so what are you doing to keep yourself sane what kind of activities are you doing that uh Maybe the listeners want to hear. Besides, you know, maybe tilting a few. <laughs> that's a great question. Um, uh, I uh, that's something I'm struggling with because I do like to travel and I do I do like to get out and and um, and see customers and I like to visit our plant uh, across the country um, at least one week a month. So I'm uh, I'm struggling with that, you know, w- with with that mentally right now of of uh, of really wanting to get back to normal things as normal. But from a, I think an exercise is important. So I was never a swimmer in my life, but I have been swimming laps every day for the past three weeks. And uh, 
my wife joked with me this morning that she thinks I'm in I'm in better shape now than than I've been in many many years because of uh, because of this situation. So so I've been trying to exercise and, and trying to get out a little bit uh, outside and and walk and ride a bike or, or 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 swim in the backyard. But but for the most part, man, I've been cooped up and and working hard. Yeah, yeah, I think that's a kind of sentiment I've heard from a lot of folks that getting outside, doing some walking, doing a little bit of exercise. Uh, personally, I, I got a Peloton, so um, I'm spinning a lot uh, more than I did when I went to the gym. So I, I guess there's the, the good side and the bad side of all that. But after a while, I find myself just standing outside, just breathing in fresh air because it's, you know, the feeling cooped up all the time getting to be a bit much. Well, I want to thank you. Yeah, I want to thank you for, for your time. And uh, I look forward to continuing this conversation. I'll have to get you on the show when we're doing a full podcast. And uh, I really appreciate uh, your insights. Uh, it was my pleasure, Angelo. I appreciate it and, uh, and reach out anytime. All right. Thank you. My next guest is Chris Kramer. He's the Managing Director of Strategic Equity Group. So M&A, Valuations, ESOP Programs. Chris, welcome to the show. Thank you very much, Angelo. Pleasure to be here. Thank you. So why don't we just take a, a minute or two and, and tell my listeners about you and, and your business and, and what you do on a day-to-day basis. Yeah, thanks. So uh, to your point, we're investment bankers and valuation advisors, which is kind of a fancy way of saying that we work with business owners that are trying to exit their business or transition the ownership in some other way. Uh, a lot of times that's to their employees through either a management buyout or many times through an ESOP. That stands for Employee Stock Ownership Plan, and it's a way for a seller to sell his company to his employees, get some tax advantages along the way, but more importantly, preserve culture and uh, reward the people that kind of helped uh, get them to where he or she uh, has has gotten. So, Okay. Do you find that uh, more and more companies are looking at ESOPs and turning themselves into an ESOP program? Yeah, I, I think so. Um, we certainly have seen an uptick in our business over the last uh, half a dozen years or so. And I think part of it is that a lot of times uh, business owners don't necessarily want to sell out to a private equity fund because they've heard that, you know, maybe life after that deal isn't, you know, what it's all cracked up to be. And in many cases, they've come from a larger company where they kind of escape the the big corporate uh, the big corporate scene and, and don't really want to exit in that way either. So yeah, we're definitely seeing growth. Okay, interesting. Yeah. Before so before we jump into this a little bit, I have to ask uh, you and your family. Everybody's good and and surviving all of this. Well, we're all surviving. Yeah, uh, uh, I, I actually uh, used to look at my dog and he'd look at me and say, when are we going to go for a walk? And now he says, really, three times today. So uh, we're we're hanging in there. Yeah, we're fortunate, though. Thanks. Yeah. Yeah, it's funny. It's um, yeah, I'm not, I, some friends of mine that have dogs, they're saying, I'm not sure who's walking who these days, but yeah. uh, the dog's getting a little reluctant about taking trips. Yeah, he's hiding out when he hears the leash now, you know. So, <laughs> yeah, well, that's great. I'm glad that I'm glad to hear that. Yeah. So based on your experiences in dealing with your customers and thinking about business leaders like yourself, what kind of recommendations do you have for my listeners about how to really survive today and and continually get ready to grow when this thing does turn and it will turn? Yeah, it's a couple things. I guess the first thing that I'm doing, and, and I'm sharing this with, with all of my clients as well, is trying to be a resource where I can. I mean, we're, we're still somewhat un- inundated with 
marketing uh, materials and, and, and things that maybe are a little bit what I would call tone deaf in light of, uh, you know, what's happening. I mean, certainly we all need to be focused on life after the crisis, but I think a lot of people are reaching out and saying, hey, look, here's what I can do for you, or here's some information that we can provide, and certainly I'm falling in that category. Um, we have been on many webinars. Um, I've been on conference calls ad nauseum, especially with our ESOP clients to help them understand what some of their potential um, action plans might be, what some of the implications are of some of the things that, you know, we're seeing currently and, and, and what might happen even, you know, over the next, say, months and, and potentially even years. So number one, you know, try to be a resource where we can. Number two, I think, um, like a lot of people, kind of cut, you know, cut um, unnecessary spending, but also don't necessarily tighten too much on paying, you know, paying your vendors or paying your your partners, if you will, because we have to keep the economy flowing. Um, that said, cash is certainly king, and and there are going to be some opportunities to maybe take advantage of, uh, you know, certain situations, be it either. Uh, recruiting or, you know, with vendors or, uh, you know, maybe buying some things in advance. I mean, I've had a couple of instances where can help out some friends or, or uh, maybe local businesses by buying some gift cards or making, a, you know, advanced deposit, etc. That said, we have to be careful because we really don't know how long some of these uh, issues are going to last. Mm -hmm. So those are two things. Um, the third thing, and, and this is something that I'm doing um, myself and my own company, is keeping keeping my eyes out for instances of leadership that we're seeing in our in our teams and in our clients and friends and vendors and, and partners because people are looking at us and, and seeing how we're reacting to the situation, but we're also looking at others. And I can already see in my own company some instances where some of my team members that maybe I didn't think would rise to the occasion have really stepped up. And I think that uh, all business owners and leaders should be looking at their teams and seeing, you know, who the real key players are and who the rising stars might be as well. Um, and then lastly, just stay connected both with friends and family, but more importantly, with your own company, with your own teams. As I mentioned, um, our, our um, employees are all looking to us as leaders to see how we're responding and what we're doing. And we've gone to, uh, of course, Zoom is a popular way to stay connected or go to meeting. Um, we're doing some staff meetings where we're not talking about business at all. I'm just going around to my team and, and asking how they're doing. You know, what are they doing personally? Uh, how are they faring in terms of working at home and, and making sure they're connected with their family and loved ones and trying to be human about it, right? I mean, this it's not all business, right? I mean, people are, are really... Um, are really struggling right now. And I think to have a human element to your delivery, your communication, your outreach is super important right now. Right. Were, did many of your staff work at home before? Or is this all new to them? No, I mean, we're, we're professional services. So certainly we're used to checking emails at night and everybody's got a laptop and, you know, pretty, you know, remote savvy, if you will. But generally we would come to the office and what we've lost really is that camaraderie, right? Is that ability to say, Hey, how, how, how are you doing today? And so I like zoom, I like anything where you can see video because I find that, you know, hearing and seeing somebody at the same time, at least is, is a second uh, best, you know, alternative for actually being in the same room. So but yeah, we're still very productive. I mean, we're getting work done. It's just different. It's, um, it's just not the same. You know? Yeah. You mentioned leaderships and, and, and for yourself and for others. And I think that's going to be really interesting when all this is over, where kind of the, the employees give us a, a, a scorecard, if you will, on how the, the leaders of their organization really fared and what they did and how they behaved in kind of the 
care and empathy they gave to their employees. I, I think that's going to be really interesting when we come out of here. Yeah, that's exactly right. And, and I think it's going to manifest itself in terms of uh, the availability of talent, for one thing. Um, I think that there's going to be some people that have said that are going to say, you know what, this didn't really go as well as maybe it could have. And I saw some of my friends or some of my competitors uh, maybe behave differently or, um, you know, have a different plan uh, or treat people a little bit differently. The other thing, though, that I've done is I've tried to be really clear with my team about the importance of having a balance sheet, either at the company level or personally. Because what you find is that the companies that can keep work, work, you know, workers on, on the payroll or can, you know, continue to pay vendors, can continue to operate because they have the financial wherewithal are the ones that will emerge stronger. And the ones that don't, unfortunately, are having to react and, and maybe make some decisions that, that with a little bit more capital they might not have made. And I think that's true both personally and professionally. Right. Well, in some cases, not only capital, but but patience, right? Sure. Foresight. So re reacting Absolutely. really quickly. It, I, I recently spent some time studying past recessions and the, in the 1918 uh, Spanish flu and all kind of the impact. And, and it's complicated, but I won't go into it. But basically, companies have found a balance between operational efficiencies and continuing to invest in marketing and R&D and things like that. They exploded. Right. And it was only like 9% of the companies that did that. Right. About 80% of them just kind of eked by. They never got back to where they were pre-recession. Right. And then a whole bunch of them just failed because they just didn't sit, sit back look at what was going on, take the time instead of, re, you know, being a little more proactive than reactive. Right. Absolutely. So, so kind of my last question then, we've all been sequestered. You've certainly walked into your dog to the point where he's looking for shoes to wear. <laughs> so what else are you doing? What other activities yeah. do you have going on that are keeping you active, inspired and yeah. motivated and, and certainly yeah. saying well a couple things one as it relates to the family uh, you know playing a lot of board games uh taught my daughter how to play gin rummy and uh i'm not too proud to say that i you know i usually beat her but uh you know she's 12 but still i you know kind of proud of that no i'm kidding uh someday she'll uh, she'll learn that game a little better um we've actually gone to um doing some language training so we're, we've got Babel and my other daughter has duolingo and we're doing some italian around the dinner table um where you know it's a little more relaxed and and we've got a little bit of extra time that's been fun uh there's a thing called the great courses if you're not familiar with i am familiar uh, with it's that super super valuable and now they got some really good prices uh we were actually supposed to take a trip to france for our vacation in june which unfortunately we've had to cancel uh there's a great course on france if you're into france and uh we're kind of doing a virtual vacation that way uh getting a little education uh at the same time and then i think most importantly is um we're turning off the news. We are absolutely shutting down all of this, uh, you know, bickering and, and sniping and, and uh, misinformation. And when we need news, we go seek it out and we try to get information where we can. But we're playing a lot more music and we're trying to turn the TV off and, and really uh, just kind of reacquaint ourselves with each other. And it's actually been uh, really, really pleasant. That's and fantastic. You know, that's really side benefit of all of this sure. is a little more family time. I, I was, uh, you know, the last few years I became this news junkie where I never used to be. And out morning, noon, night, if I can have it on for literally a few minutes and then I'm, I'm done with it, that just like you, it's, I'm tired of listening to it. And I think there's so many other things to do and, and a way to keep yourself inspired and, 
and to enjoy life. I mean, my kids are older and they're out of the house right now. So my wife and I were, I mean, we're trying to have dinner at the table and yeah. coordinate our schedules and uh, and just have more family time, take some walks together and do all that kind of stuff. Yeah, the biggest problem I have is my daughters are fond of baking chocolate chip cookies. And now they have so much time on their hands that they're baking them frequently and I don't have any willpower. So that's another reason I'm trying to walk the dog a few more times every day. Well, there so, you go. Yeah, <laughs> That's funny. Yeah. Well. Chris, thank you so much for taking the time today. I know you were busy, but I really appreciate you carving out a few minutes for me and the uh, in the show. Thanks, Angelo. Great pleasure and uh, anytime. All right. Thank you so much. Be well. I hope you found those conversations really interesting. I, I certainly did. And as I mentioned earlier, these are three of six. So this was part one. So I encourage you to go on right to part two or certainly take the time to Listen to it later on this week because I've got three other guests from three other industries that I think um, are going to provide some insights on how they're dealing with this crisis and their business to thrive and survive and certainly grow as we come out of this in this economy. I thank you for listening. If you're a subscriber, thank you very much. And if you are a subscriber, I encourage you to let others know about the show so they can benefit from this content. And certainly if you're not a subscriber, I encourage you to do so. You can find out more about me, read my blogs, review my show videos, or certainly sign up to receive more information at theponzigroup.com. Thank you again for joining me at the cafe today. And I look forward to talking to you in part two of this series. Thank you for listening to today's discussion at the Business Growth Cafe with your host, Angelo Ponzi. Take a moment to subscribe to this podcast and visit our website at www.businessgrowthcafe.com. Read Angelo Ponzi's blogs at www.theponzigroup.com.